Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of What in the World. My name is Jake and I am your host for this podcast where we get to look at what God is doing uh, both uh, around the globe and here locally. And I get the privilege to talk to you and share stories and interviews and see how God has been working through Elmbrook Church. Um, Before I dive into our interview today, I just wanted to make you aware that Rene Padilla, a very important person in modern Christian history has passed away. Um, Very influential person uh, when it comes to the Lausanne movement and also just mission in general. And I would go as far to say even forcing the evangelical church to embrace a holistic gospel, a gospel that isn't just about punching a ticket to get to heaven, but looking at what Jesus really intended and what we see modeled by Christ throughout scripture of pursuing a a large and a holistic gospel that can deal with the complex and difficult issues of today and encourage you to maybe read some articles that are being published around there right now with Renee Padilla. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into that for the sake of this podcast, but I would strongly encourage you to look that up in other places. And now for today, the interview we're going to listen to is one I got to have with Pastor Mel Lorenz, where we got to talk about the International Center, which I would say is one of the most important things Elmbrook has ever been involved in, and really a hugely maturing and healthy thing for our church, where we were able to directly engage with global brothers and sisters um, of different backgrounds in us who are able to encourage us um, to point out areas maybe we have been incorrect in our thinking and our theology and just really learn and grow together. So I'm excited to dive into that interview, but right before we do that, we are going to listen how Mel got to learn why you don't put your hands in your pockets when teaching overseas. Here is Mel's cultural blunder. Cultural blunder. Um, well, I was preaching in Ethiopia, and um, I asked a good friend of mine from America, who's missionary there, did I did I make any cultural faux pas in the message? Because I really try to make sure I don't use illustrations about the Green Bay Packers and so on. Yeah. And he said, No, no, you were you were fine. Um, he said the only thing is culturally, when you put your hand in your pocket, it's a very threatening gesture here. And I realized, boy, I put my hand in my pocket a lot. <laughs> so you were scaring people. So it just it just was a you know, a word to the wise. And you know, I you know, I try to ask actually I, I try to ask, you know, going into new cultural situations, tell tell me what are the typical mistakes that, you know, uh, Westerners make. But uh, nothing nothing too terrible. No, I think that's a really good attitude, obviously, when you're going overseas. Just ask. You're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You might as well try to mitigate some of them if possible. Yep. Well, maybe some of your listeners will be interested in this too. Um, a friend of mine um, has a book, and I haven't ever gotten it. It's a business book about um, cultural travel, and it's and it's for business people. Just yeah. this is what you need to know about this country. Here are the essential facts, and here are the cultural, um, you know, don't do this or, or do that. And uh, for instance, going to an Asian context, you know, bringing, bringing a little gift with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always meant to get that book because uh, it, it can make a big difference. But I don't know the title of it. I'll look it up and throw it in the podcast sure. later. So today I get the privilege of having a conversation with Mel Lorenz. And Mel, you previously were the senior pastor here at Elmbrook. And now you are one of our teaching pastors. That's right. And you also had the privilege of 
helping create this thing that we call the International Center. And we're going to talk about that and what that is. But first, uh, right before we started recording, you were sharing kind of this bigger picture of mission or uh, at Elmbrook. And so could you just kind of give us that bigger flyover mm-hmm. talking over Elmbrook's history? Well, uh, I was uh, meeting with some uh, church leaders and missionaries once, and it, it just struck me that we've seen some very distinct phases over the years that uh, back in the 70s and in early 80s, uh, Stuart Briscoe, senior pastor at the time, would travel the world and he'd come back and he'd tell us about the world. So mm-hmm. when we'd take a trip to South Africa, he'd come back and we'd have a special meeting and everybody would be listening um, intently to learn about South Africa. Then um, people started going themselves out to different parts of the world. Business people were traveling, Church leaders would travel out and do some training stuff, and then groups of people. And this is like ten-year blocks. About yeah, they're bigger chunks of time you're yep, running through. Right yep, now. whole whole eras, and then and then groups started going out on ministry trips, um, and then the International Center program, which we started about seventeen years ago, where we bring to us a cohort of fifteen to twenty people for a two and a half, three week intensive learning experience was like bringing the world to us. Mm-hmm. In each one of these phases, it's like the engagement of the congregation with global uh, issues, with global awareness, just got higher and higher. Um, and it just built, you know, each, each one of these stages built, built on another. What's really cool about that is just for me hearing like, you're, you're talking about this growth, almost this maturing of Elmbrook Church and how it learns to engage the global body, the global church. And so you start off with a senior pastor who is passionate about this and goes overseas and brings back stories. So it's just one individual, the lead of the ship, kind of sharing what he's gleaning. And then you start to have individuals go over. It then changes into groups. And then finally, the exciting part for me is that the fact that we have, as a church, gotten to this point where we are inviting people to us. We're no longer just seeing that we have to go over there. People can come back to us and influence Elmbrook. And that's a really cool posture, I think, that we are now receiving people instead of just going. Yeah, and um, it, it really it really has had a wide impact. Like I said, uh, the, the basic concept is you bring 15 to 20 international leaders over here for a two and a half, three week period. And, and also I should note, extreme diversity. So we might have 15 mm-hmm. people from 15 different countries and that's intentional. So you have a cohort of people, men and women, different ages, um, who really represent the world. And um, I introduced them on the first weekend that we're here in, in the worship service. And then uh, people meet with them in the lobby, and we have special uh, forums during uh, the, the time. And uh, our people just get to learn about the wider world from, from some really high-quality people. These are not people who are, you know, we're not looking for presidents of organizations and so on. We're, we're, we have a, a nomination process that brings us a real diversity of people. Some are quite young and uh, early on in their ministry, um, but many of them, there's been 200 people now who have come to wow. us over this 16, 17-year period, 15 different cohorts, I think, if I have that remembering right. Um, um, many of them now are national leaders in their own countries. Um, 
So the, the process that we've used, which is the uh, process of nomination, has brought us some people that are they're, they're great people, and they end up be, being very influential. Is there any way you could share maybe a few examples of some of the people who have come with security caution in mind? Like, obviously, don't share certain names. I know some of the people we do invite have lots of, we have to be very careful about their names and who they are. But for some that you can share, could you give us a couple examples? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, there's 200 different individuals from, oh, is it 50 different countries, I think, um, representing all, all, all the regions of the world. Um, I hear from them every week um, because you get a real bonding experience mm-hmm. for two and a half, three weeks. Um, they, you know, they tell each other their stories and they become good friends and so on. But to use some examples, I, I think one of the coolest things, Jake, is that uh, when we have an individual come for the experience and it's a it's a peer learning experience, they're not coming to hear those of us here at Elmbrook lecture them. Um, we're not teaching lessons. It is peer learning. So we have okay. topics. Um, you know, every two or three hour block, we have topics and we have a facilitator. We get into issues. But everybody in the room the 15 or 20 people in the cohort and a handful of us on the staff, we're all learning from each other. And that's, that's profound. And, and for them, I mean, they, they will say, I've never had a leadership learning experience like this. They come expecting that they're going to hear lectures, um, and, and they don't. They, they come expecting that you know, the Americans are going to be the, the gurus, and we just turn that, turn that upside down. But one of the coolest things is individuals that um, have no idea when they come that it's going to be a doorway to something else. So a guy from, um, uh, I think it was, it was Myanmar, um, came, and um, he ended up staying longer. He got his visa extended, and he, he ministered for six months in refugee congregations, Burmese refugee congregations all over the United States. Really? Yeah. And and he just had a huge impact. A lady that we have who is a Nepali, lives in India, a theological educator um, has come a couple of times now. And uh, again, she'll stay for an extra two or three months and travel all over, all over the United States ministering to these uh, Nepali congregations. And uh, we also do a lot of literature uh, stuff, some of the books that we have available on the Bible and prayer and other issue, Christian life issues. We support them in getting translated into their languages in, in their country. Um, then I think about the lady who came to us from Romania who um, was really interested in doing an advanced degree in, in literature, um, took, an after, took a day and went down to the C.S. Lewis Center at Wheaton uh, College and met some of the people there at the C.S. Lewis, the Wade Center, the C.S. Lewis Center there. Um, she ended up doing a doctorate in, in C.S. Lewis's influence in Eastern Europe, and now she's leading international symposia wow. on C.S. Lewis um, in an Eastern Europe context, and she interacts all the time with um, the C.S. Lewis um, scholars all around the world. So. There's all of these spin-off things that happen. Another cool thing is that uh, some of these people, they end up partnering with each other. So a guy from Vietnam uh, meets somebody from the Philippines, 
and uh, or 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 from Argentina or something, and they become good friends, and they end up partnering with each other or supporting each other. So just all kinds of things, largely because it's relationally based. You know, it's the the after effects are out of the relationships that they share with each other. That's really cool to hear about Mel. I mean, for me, uh, one of the first things you said. Um, was this idea that it's a learning experience, not a lecture. And for me, that's really encouraging just to hear the posture that we're taking because that creates an environment where everyone can learn from everyone. Not the typical, like you said, lecture um, point where it's very much one person teaching. And that's obviously the posture that, unfortunately, uh, we as the Western church can fall into a lot, thinking we are the ones who have more to offer. But in this scenario, you're, you're inviting people in and then giving them a voice, giving them a chance where it's this collaborative effort. And I think that's a really healthy exchange, which for me is just really exciting. Yeah. I really like that. Well, and it's and it's authentic too. I mean, if the subject of the day is discipleship, there's just no question but that somebody coming from an African context or something has has more to say on that topic than the, the uh, Americans in the room um, or... Um, Topics of uh, spiritual life or evangelism, mm-hmm. um, and um, it's really one of the biggest things that they take away. They um, many, many, many cultures are based hierarchically, and that figures into the Christian communities and the churches, and where the where there's a church and the lead pastor is like a little dictator. I mean, sometimes sure. it's, it's, it's set up that way. So when we turn that, when we invert that pyramid, um, it's, it's, it's shocking to them. Um, I mentioned that, you know, we, we really get them to bond with each other. The very first thing that we do is we go away for a two-day retreat, and the two days are dedicated to each individual just taking as much time as they want to tell their whole life story. Hmm. It might take 45 minutes, um, but after two days, when 15 to 20 people do that, um, they share at a level there because the, you know, they're far away from home. There's nobody looking over their shoulder. They could be perfectly honest, and it's just, a, it's just an amazing thing to watch, um, watch that happen. But it happens because um, if I'm leading the cohort, I start out and I just honestly tell my whole life story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, um, and then they're, they say, well, you mean we really can talk about this? And just some really, um, I mean, some of them come needing a rest. Some of them come needing mm-hmm. support. Some of them come and they're um, contemplating quitting ministry because you know, they've had one problem after another. Um, and it, it just makes me think that um, we need to somehow duplicate that in our own uh, s- situation where um, we really um, let other people know what our, what our life story is and, uh, and work from there. But easier said than done sometimes. <laughs> just well, taking the time. Just taking yeah. the time. Well, you prioritize this relationship building, this understanding of who each person is at the very beginning, which sets it up initially as once again an equal playing field because you're sharing your mistakes you're sharing your mess you're being open about that and then that creates this place where learning can kind of happen um like at a round table almost mm-hmm. 
And then we mix in fun. I mean, we give them ample, ample time to take walks with each other. You know, if a cohort happens in the spring of the year, we'll take them to a baseball game. And that's a hoot. I mean, they uh, you'll see this wild group uh, having a tailgate and then going into the game and, you know, just they're just so enthused until the game gets boring and then <laughs> they're wondering, they don't get it. That there's yeah, baseball so much... <laughs> can be, depending on who you are, it can be the best thing in the world or it can be the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we just... Uh, we try to give them the gift of having a little period of time when they can be themselves, they can be taken care of, uh, they can be safe, they can learn, they can pray for each other. And uh, the phrase that we hear from them all the time is life-changing, ministry-transforming. They'll say that two and a half, three weeks. It was life-changing and ministry-transforming for me. Why in the world? Why do we care about engaging with the global body? Why would we want to learn from people who are different countries than us, who have different backgrounds than us? Why does it matter? To answer this question, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. How strange would it be if we read this verse and then said as the foot, I'm going off to change the world and to love God. We need to obey the words that Paul says. God's church is one body. To just listen to our theology and not listen to the rest of the body goes directly against scripture. This is why we choose to engage the entire global body of Christ. This has been Why in the World. So obviously you're painting this picture, um, just sharing what the International Center is and what it's done with this life-changing ministry transforming for all the individuals who are involved. But I also wanted to pivot a little and ask, how has this impacted Elmbrook Church from your perspective? How has it maybe changed us? Um, well, as I mentioned before, it's uh, uh, it was really regrettable that during COVID we had to uh, have actually two sessions here uh, canceled. But it, it, it was a it was a rhythm of the church's life. About once a year, we'd have a cohort, and um, it was like. I always view global vision as opening the windows of your house and letting the fresh wind blow through. I like that. And it gets it gets your mind off of, you know, our own problems and hang-ups and, and so on. But here's another way that it's affected us. Um, at a practical level, we've we've gotten involved in many projects uh, with them. I mentioned literature projects. That's a big part of what I do. And we've uh, sponsored translations of some of our material in at least a dozen different languages. And I mean, just last week, um, uh, a, a book of prayers for children translated into Farsi to be used in for Iranians. And um, uh, they uh, give these uh, books to Muslim kids because it's a, it's a prayer book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, last month, uh, 
same book into two different language groups in Ethiopia, Oromo and Amharic. So um, there's these projects, um, and then we've supported some of the individuals with some of their special things. Um, uh, when they come back through town here, sometimes uh, we'll have them, you know, we'll uh, give them visibility to the congregation. Uh, I mean, some of these people have just unbelievable personal yes. stories, like the guy from uh, Ethiopia, a former Muslim who um, has a very bold ministry, and, and his, his life is on the line all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was he was a persecutor. He was a persecutor. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, you, you never know what the next connection is going to be. And we, we try not to make it mechanical. We don't, we don't bring them here in order to set up a, a project relationship. As a matter of fact, we tell them, uh, don't, don't expect that that's going to happen. Uh, but sometimes it does. Yeah. I like this idea of like you brought this fresh wind coming through a window when you're engaging with the globe and the global body. And I think the fact that it has become part of a global rhythm is a really healthy staple of our church. And I think it's something we need to to continue to engage in. And I mean, obviously I would love to see it happen more. I mean, I'm probably biased, but I think it's just a healthy, a healthy rhythm for each of us individually, but also as the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of like in conclusion, Mel, I wanted to also give you an opportunity. So we're talking about, uh, we flew over Elmberg's kind of mission history. We talked about the International Center, how it's impacted um, um, the individuals involved and the church. Are there any takeaways for the people who are listening to this podcast, uh, maybe a challenge or a next step or something like that for them? Yeah, I, I think anybody can would do well to avail themselves of any opportunity to befriend an, inter- an international. Might be somebody who's an international student uh, in the city where you live. Um, might be somebody that um, is a friend of a friend. Um, I think, you know, what, what, I, what I tell the people here in the church is when you meet one of these international friends and you, you, you may say, I don't know what to ask them, just say to them, Tell me about the world that you live in. Tell me about your life, and um, they'll get a long they'll get a long story. Um, internationals here in the U.S. Uh, frequently assume that Americans don't really have an interest in them, um, mm-hmm. but if you ask them and, and ask them what their personal story is, so I think that's a it's just a kind of a way of thinking that can apply to to any any believer. Uh, at any time. So, yeah, I like that. I think that each of us need to maybe crack our windows open a little and offer some of that fresh air to come in. So, Mel, thanks for taking a little time to sit down and talking about the International Center. So, thanks. Sure. Glad to do it. Thank you. Open your windows and let a fresh wind blow through. Think about this refreshing wind, and I love just how Mel describes this interaction with the global body, um, our, our interacting with our world that God created, that we as Elmbrook Church and me and you as individuals get to interact with and get to just get this fresh air inside of us as we get to interact with them. And for me, I'm obviously very passionate about this and something that I am trying to figure out, how do I practically do this um, in my own life? 
And for me right now, um, it means writing a paper in one of my classes that directly revolves around this. Um, but even more practically uh, would be meeting an international student at the college that's not too far from me. Um, a lot of schools have programs where you can uh, get to know them. That's one way that you can engage um, somebody from a different culture uh, relatively easily. Many of us also work jobs where we work with people who are from different countries. You are rubbing shoulders with people who are from different backgrounds than you. Maybe just be curious and actually ask questions about where they come from, what their life was like, and listen. Um, not try to impose your views or thoughts of said country on them, but instead just take a listening and a learning posture, much like the posture that has been taken with the International Center. And that's one of my reasons why I think it's such a powerful thing for Elmbrick, because we are not coming to the table as the ones with the answers or the ones who understand everything. We come to the table as mutual learners. And that's why I just love the International Center and the ripple effects that it's had. So I just want to say I really appreciated Mel making time to sit down and just talk about how the International Center functions and some of the ripple impacts it's had. Um, I will most likely try to get another conversation with him because there are so, so many stories from the 200 people that have come through those doors. Uh, but other things I actually have in the pipeline uh, right now, I have a couple interviews recorded with Stuart Briscoe, um, where we're going to talk about global theology. I also have a recording from one of our uh, longtime field workers who spent a lot of their time in Ethiopia. Um, Shannon's got a couple interviews that we are going to get recorded shortly. And I still have another coworker where I need to uh, record her personal story, which I think is very compelling as well. So there's a lot coming up. Uh, you won't want to miss it. And I look forward to having another conversation with you in the next episode of What in the World.